because they may be going back there, and that, that may be the last time you see them. They may come home next time in a box. And I know that we haven't lost as many people in this war as we did in the Vietnam War or the other wars to end all wars that they've had. And, and you know, every time we turn around, there's a war. Of course, we know that God said that in the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and it's going to increase. And we're there now, aren't we? And the sad thing that I feel as American is that America is not the res most respected nation in the world anymore because we've lost that. Yeah. It's going to take time to build that back up. And I hope that uh, we as a people will start thinking about people that God would want in. Righteous men and women to, to in, in those positions. Men that, that love God, preferably, and love his word. Because when we put people like that in office, things will change. People say, oh, we can't do anything about it. Yes, we can. If we can't do anything about it, then we might as well eat worms and die. God told us to pray for our leaders and our leadership. And we do that. And if you're not doing that, you need to start. Because God commanded us to pray for them. If we don't like something that is doing, pray about it. I can't change it. I can't go up to the White House and go, hey, wake up, buddy. You know, you're, you're on the wrong path. I can't do that. They wouldn't let me that close in number one. But we can pray for him. And God can deal with him. And I'd rather have God deal with him than me. <laughs> Wouldn't you? So we can do that. We can change something if we'll just pray. Pray that righteousness will start reigning in this world. Amen. And uh, I, I'm, we have Memorial Day once, once, a, once a year to remember. Remember the people that died in our wars. And not only that, but remember other people that have passed on. And it's a shame that we have to have one day a year in order to do that. We should be thankful and remember it every day. Because some people gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And they weren't. A lot of them were just young guys, young men, 18, 19 years old, that are, you know, giving their life. So they're giving a whole life, more years than what some people are. And I'm, I'm of the thing, Lord, let me die for something. Then live for nothing. And they are dying over there for something. And we need to be grateful for them. We need to thank them. Because I'd rather fight it over there than over here. And if you watch your news, terrorism is everywhere anymore. And uh, we don't have to be afraid of those believers, and I'm thankful for that. Because God is not a God of fear. He's a God of hope. So it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, we can still pray. And we have to worry about it, because we know that God's in charge. Now, I don't like some of the things that's going on anymore than you do, and I pray about it. And it just breaks my heart when I see some of the atrocities that are going on over there, when they're taking kids and they're killing them and they're beheading people. I mean, it just crushes my heart to, uh, to see that. I say, man, why can't we do more about that? Why can't we? Well, it's not a, a law problem, it's a heart problem. And when people's hearts change, then the environment around them will change. And only God can change it. So, oh, they, he can't change it. Yes, he can. My God can. If your God can't, you need to find the bigger God. Because my God can do anything. He could just like that, and everything could change. Just like that. We could have a revival, because right, revival changes people. So I pray for a revival. And God loves people. People are important to God. Amen? Thomas Manigan is the founder of the Domino's Pizza. From 1970 to 1985, Domino's grew from a small debt-ridden chain to the second largest pizza company in America. When asked to account for phenomenal growth in the company, Monaghan explained, I pro programmed everything for growth. And how did he, he plan for growth? Every day we develop people. The key to growth 
is developing people. Not special cheese, not a tasty crust, not fast delivery schedules, but people. And we need to emphasize the importance of people. Now, I, don't, I know that he had an emphasis about people, but he didn't. Where did he get it from? He got it from the one place, the beginning, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God's concern for people was paramount from the very beginning. God said, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let's make dogs in our image or let's make trees in our image. No. He said, let's make it our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a triune being, said, let us make man in our image. And he created us triune beings, body, soul, and spirit. We had a body. God put it within us, a soul, and a spirit that, that is eternal. Our, our spirit's eternal. We're going to live forever somewhere. It's either going to be in heaven or it's going to be in hell. There's only two, two, two trains to get on. And you need to get on the one that goes to heaven because that's where I want to go. <laughs> and that's the only place that we have life. We can have eternal life or eternal death. But either way, we're going to live somewhere forever. God's emphasis has always been on his highest creation, and that's mankind. God loves people from day one. Before they sinned, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening every day. How would you like to have been there? Man, I'll tell you, that's a great, great thing. And yet what happened? They fell. And when they fell, that fellowship was destroyed because of disobedience, sin. We call it sin. Changed everything in our life. So we don't get to have that same experience that they had, but we can have something similar when we become believers and the Holy Spirit dwells with us and we can sense his presence and feel his power in our lives because of the cross. So everything changed at that point, but his whole emphasis was on people because he loves people. And because God loves people, we need to love people. If he didn't love people, Christ wouldn't have, shouldn't have come and died because he wasted his time. He did it not to condemn us, but to allow us an opportunity to be saved. That's why he came. Like I said, he, like uh, Brother Cliff was saying, when we get to heaven, we, or not necessarily heaven, we stand before God, and he's gonna, he isn't going to ask you, where did you go to church? What did you do? He's going to say, what did you do with my son? Hopefully, we accepted him, but there's going to be a whole world of people, not the whole world, but a lot of people that's going to stand before him and try to stand there before him in their own righteousness, and they can't do it because it's filthy rags. And they'll say, we didn't accept your son. We, our, our faith was in a church. Our faith was in works. Our faith was in the things that we do. And God will say, I didn't ask for that. I asked you to accept my son. Then those things flow out of love, the love of God that dwells within us. There's a difference. We can have a relationship with God or we can have a religion. It's our choice. I don't want a religion. Religion binds us up and, and, and makes us feel guilty our whole life. But see, we don't have to feel guilty because Jesus died for our sin and he paid the penalty on the cross for our sin. So I'm thankful for that. So God loves people. Rick Warren writes in The Purpose Driven Life, I have been at the bedside of many people in their final moments when they stand on the edge of eternity and I have never heard anyone say, bring me my diplomas. 
I want to look at them one more time. Show me my awards, my medals, that gold watch I was given. When life on earth is ending, people don't surround themselves with objects. What we want around us is people, people we love and have relationships with. In our final moments, we realize that relationships are what life is all about. That's what kind of what Memorial Day is about. It's about people. I know we like Memorial Day, and I don't know what you're going to do. You know, maybe you're going to have a barbecue. Maybe you're going to have friends over and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Time off from work, three-day weekend. Generally, most of the people get that. A lot of people don't. They still have to work. But uh, generally, that's what it is. So we get all these things, and so we really like holidays. But sometimes we get so wrapped in the holiday, we forget what the original meaning was. And that's for remembering people, remembering the veterans that have died in their families. Because they all have families. I know that when death shows up in somebody's life and touches your life, and you go to the funeral, you see the lives that that person touched. We just, a couple months ago, went to my, my stepmom's funeral. And, you know, there's a lot of people there. A lot of people. A lot of them I don't get to see very often. But I got an opportunity to preach at them. It was exciting. <laughs> so I said, you know, funerals, I hate them. But if you know the person knows God, they aren't as hard on you. But you're still going to miss them. There's still going to be a loss. And we see that when someone dies. Well, it's a shame that we have to wait till somebody dies and we bring flowers and we do all these things. Well, they can't feel it then. They need that same kind of love when they're alive. That's when they need it. Because death, what is it? You get flowers, they bloom, they die, whatever. The deceased don't get to smell them. They don't get to see them. I don't think when you die, you get to watch your, your funeral from, from heaven or hell. I don't get to think you get to watch it. <laughs> so why not do it before they die? We need to love people. We need to love our families. Every person you meet or work with or your neighbors, whatever, if they don't know God, they're lost. And we need to love them. And how do we love them? We share Christ with them. We want to give them the opportunity to go to heaven. What they do with that is up to them. But we are obligated, because of the cross, to do that to the people that we meet. I'm not saying you go up and beat everybody over the head and say, are you saved? You're going to hell. But if that's the kind of person you are, then go ahead and say, if you die today, where would you spend eternity? That's a good question. And the world of the people you meet don't really have a lot of answers for that question. But I do. <laughs> I know where I'm going. And when I get to heaven, if God asks me, why should I let you into heaven? I'm going to say, the cross, because of the cross. That's all we need, the cross. The blood has cleansed us from all our sin. Because only that, because you can't go into heaven with sin. And Jesus died for the sin. So if you're a believer, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, well, it does, because you want to live a righteous life. There's so many people out there that say, oh, I said that sinner's prayer 20 years ago, so I'm good to go. No, you're not. If you're not serving God and have a relationship with him, that prayer meant nothing. Because that prayer has to come from your heart. And when it comes from your heart, you're giving your life to God. And your whole life changes. And if you don't become a new creation after that, you're not saved. People want to give God their sin, but they don't want to give him their life. That's the world we live in. That's why we have religion. Because it fills that void. Okay, all right, go in there. I'll give God my sin, and I'll go do what I want. Sin some more to show how gracious God is. God says, no. If you're a believer, your life changes. Your destination changes. Your attitude changes. Your goals change. If they haven't, you need to get on your knees till it does. At a computer 
train station, a police policeman noticed the woman driver with her head bowed over the steering wheel in an obvious discomfort. The police officer asked her, is there anything wrong? Half crying and half laughing, she said, for 10 years I have been driving my husband to this train station every morning to catch this train. This morning I forgot him. Now we laugh, but that's so, sometimes that's what we do every morning. We get up, we're in such a rush to do everything, make our coffee, grab our coffee, out the door we go, and sometimes it's a peck on the cheek to the wife or the husband, and that, and, and maybe if you're lucky, touch, touch, touch all your kids on the head, so okay, bye. And they're out of here. And then you come home from work, and what do you do? You sit down, get a Coke or iced tea or whatever, and you sit in your recliner, and boop, buttons go on, don't they? Where's the family? Where's the people? Oh, I'm too tired. Don't bother me. I'm tired. That's the life we live in, isn't it? So we got a whole world of latchkey kids that don't have parents, really. All they have is a TV to entertain them, video games, and there's no outdoor activities. So what do we, what do we have? We have physically, kids that are physically unfit, emotionally unfit, and literally unfit because they are letting other, other things teach their children. And we don't have time for them. I know them. I've been there. I know what it's like. It's hard to come home and you're so tired. You know, I used to have to get up 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work. And that's hard. It's hard getting up at that time in the morning. And you come home and you're tired and you don't, you know, you don't want to be bothered. Of course, I had to come home, cook, and do all, the, all those kind of fun things. But, uh, you know, you're tired. But we can't let that dissuade us from people. Because we only got one chance to be parents. We only got one shot at being friends to your, your family and your friends. I mean, it's your neighbors and that. We only got one shot at it. And of course, we have a lifetime of trying, but I'm just saying we have, a, we have a point in our life where we have to make a decision to do that. And we want to do that. See, God didn't put us here for us. God has put us here because he loves people. And it's a joy when we, when we put others first. God wants us to do that. He wants us to love others because when we're loving others and we're caring about others, we're not thinking so much about ourselves. And we get out within ourselves, that's when we can love others the way God loves us because his love will flow through us to everyone else, and that's what he wants. Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. We're supposed to love people. And when you love some, someone, you do things for them. Not because you have to, but because you love them. I do things for, for Randy because I love him. Once in a while, I cook a real meal that didn't come out of a can. <laughs> because I love him, not because I have to. I could sit a can of soup with, in front of him with a can opener or a spoon, and he'd open it and eat it and say thank you. But I wouldn't do that, of course, but he would because he's grateful of everything. He is such a wonderful guy. I don't know what he did to get him, but I'm so thankful. Whatever it is, I did it. <laughs> but we love people, and we love people by letting God's love flow through us because he's the only one that knows what each one of us needs. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as that night and day I constantly remember you in prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, what first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, Paul remembered Timothy in, in a few ways. First of all, in verse, or verse 3, it says, First of all, I thank God through Jesus... Oh, sorry, I missed that verse. 
3.1, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That's the best way you can love people is by remembering them in your prayers. If you care enough to pray for them, your life's going to be changed towards that person. If you're having some problems at work that's, uh, and your boss is giving you a hassle, and man, you just, you just hate going because of it, pray for them. Pray that God will change their heart or, they'll change, or you'll, he'll change your heart. But something will change if we're willing to pray for them, pray for the situation, and say, God, if it means changing me, change me. Change my attitude. Because I'll tell you, you get an attitude adjustment from God, things look differently. All of a sudden, that job you hate isn't so, such a chore to go to every day. If you want to love your job, let God's love flow through you. Realize how much God loved you. Because then, everything, life changes so much. All of a sudden, the sunset's more beautiful. Life is just more beautiful. Even though you have problems, I, we have a lot of problems. We've had a lot of problems here. We, we do. We're, we're going the wrong direction in this world, and they don't like us. And when they don't like us, we feel, oh, God, I want people to like you. No, I don't. I want God to like me. I want God to flow through me. Because it doesn't matter what the other people do. All that matters is what I do. And God has given us certain things that he wants us to do. So we need to pray. And don't forget to pray for your family. If you want your family saved, pray for them. And it's, really, it's easier when you raise them when they're small. It's harder when they become teenagers. But you, God can still work it out. Pastor Sheldon's proof of that. Everybody laughs because they know. <laughs> but God can do it. But if don't quit praying for him. It doesn't matter how many years you pray. God can still do it. And as long as you're praying for him, God's going to work in their life some way, some form. And you just give them to God. That's what we did. As soon as we gave him to God, say, God, we'll get him to you. We've done everything we can. Now it's up to you. However you do it. Okay. Took years. Did we have to? Did he do it the next day? No, it took years. <laughs> but God will do it as long as we don't quit. As long as we pray. Uh, verse four and recalling your tears. When we're bearing somebody else's burdens, they become our burdens, and the weight of them comes to us. And and you know, if you're praying for somebody, sometimes your eyes tear up because you feel so bad because of the issues that they're going through. If you love someone else, if you love them, it'll hurt you when they're hurt. When they're hurting. It should hurt us. When any part of the body's in pain, all of us should be in pain. And we all should be praying for that person and doing what we can to help each other. Because that's what God commanded us to do. We're not in this alone. We're not. God put us, he saved us, and he put us in a body of believers so we can help each other. God has called everyone in here to do something. I don't know what it is, but I know that God has. And if you want to know, God will tell you. People say, oh, yeah, use me, but I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this. God can't use you. When you want God to use you, say, God, use me any way you want. And then do what he's allowed you to do. And when you don't have no limits, we think, oh, man, I don't want to do that because God's going to make me do something. Hey, I'm going to have to go to Africa. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I guarantee you, if God calls you to Africa, you want to go. You'll love them people so much. That you just can't help yourself. You can't stay here. It's it, just what, the way God works. So don't worry about it. God won't get you, make you do anything you won't want to do. You'll love doing it. I didn't plan on doing this in my life at this stage of my life. But God put the heart, desire in my heart to do it. And I really enjoy doing it. I do. I love preaching. Unfortunately, though, you have to do all the other kind of stuff before it gets to here. <laughs> I tell people I quit, I quit every Monday. <laughs> because sometimes, the, you know, 
situation happened. But I'm willing to serve God, and you need to be willing to serve God. No matter what it is, I don't care if it's cleaning the church, making coffee, uh, whatever it is. God has something for each one of us to do. We are to remember, let's see, in verse 5, it says, I have reminded of your faith. We need to be reminded of each other. We're all believers. We're all in the family. We're all in this together. We need to remember that. And uh, we all are in the same boat, and we're all to help each other. So we need to be reminded of that. We remember, but we are to remember those who have passed away. Not, I'm not the kind that goes to there and, and talks to people that are dead. I don't do that. And I really don't even go to, the, go to graves because they're not there. You know, my mom, my dad, and my stepmom, they're not there. They're in heaven. So I don't want to go to a piece of ground where they're not at and talk to it. Now, if you want to do that and that makes you feel okay, you know, that's between you and God. I look at their pictures, and I'm reminded about them. And I miss my mom and dad every single day. I miss them. Can't call them on the phone. There's times I wish I could call them on the phone and say, Mom, what are you doing? Or Dad. I miss it. And I wish that they were still here, but they're not. But I'm thankful they're in heaven waiting for me. And one day I'll see them again. But it's hard to lose loved ones. Death has touched people in this congregation. We know. When Grandpa died, it was a it was a blow to the whole church. We loved him so much, and we loved Grandma so much. And it's just you know it just hits you. It's like a punch in the in the gut, and it just you know just crushes you. But when we go to God for comfort, He'll comfort us and He'll get us through it. And we know that He's in heaven, and so we rejoice in that the fact that we know where He's at. Uh, Romans eight, oh, excuse me, Romans one eight and nine. First, I thank God, my, thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I constantly remember you. Want to have a witness how you remember others? Remember people. Share with them the gospel. Because someone shared it with you. Every one of us is here because someone shared the gospel with us. Are we reciprocating? And our Sunday in the morning, they asked us, he said, to pray that I want to get to heaven, I want to at least win one person to the Lord. Just one. If we could all just win one person, just one. We need to ask God to help us do that. And God will let you say, well, I don't know how. Well, you don't need to know how. God knows how. God will work through you. I'm amazed sometimes when I've talked to people and the stuff that comes out of my mind, out of my mouth, and I'll go later, I'll say, man, that was so good, God. Thank you. Because God come through. When we're faithful to him, he's faithful to give us what we need. And even one of us has a testimony, how we got saved. That's the best way that you can win somebody is talk about what God did for you. Because there's a whole world out there that needs to know the truth. Every person we meet needs to know God. And we have that in us. We have the gospel dwelling within us. And we're saying, oh, I hate you. If we're not willing to share God with the people we know, and our families especially, then, then we're saying, I hate them. I don't, I don't love them enough. I don't even want them to go to heaven. If we really realized and believed that within our hearts, we would be doing everything we can. If you knew a bridge was out and your, your loved ones was going that way and it was dark, would you tell them that the bridge was out? Oh, no, let them find it out for themselves. Somewhere down the road, they'll figure it out. We wouldn't do that, man. We'd be on the phone. We'd be cell phone. If they didn't, we didn't get a signal, man. We'd be calling the cops. We'd be doing everything. Please get a hold of them. We don't want them to go down that road. But we don't do the same thing with, with people we love, do we? You say, oh, they'll figure it out. No, they won't. 
God has chosen us. And it's a privilege to share the gospel. We feel like it's an obligation, oh, I have to do this because of whatever. No, it ain't a privilege. Each one of us are given the opportunity and the privilege to serve God and to witness to other people, to tell them what God has done for you. It's a privilege to be able to do that. And it's exciting, too. Um, originally, Memorial Day, we started the Civil War. Remember, the Civil War did. And that, then it tried to turn it in and trans- uh, what it evolved into what we have today. More or less, they call it Decoration Day because a lot of people go and decorate their graves and that. So it's all right. You know, it's good to remember those that have passed on. A few years ago, they said an average, this is a lot of years ago, I don't remember what the year was, but it was years ago. The average day, about 750 would visit the USS Arizona and Hawaii. And on Memorial Weekend, about 4,600 people will visit the memorial. And, and on an average day, 3,000 people will visit the Vietnam Memorial. But on Memorial Weekend, 7,600 people will visit it. And I know that number's probably doubled now. Because Memorial Day is set aside to remember those who've died for our freedom. I've been to the USS Arizona Memorial in Hawaii, and it, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it, it is. It just, just touches you and it grips your heart. As, as they roll the names of the thousands of people that died in Pearl Harbor. There, and they died. And it, it's just awesome to be able to remember that. And I'm patriotic. I, I'm a patriot. I'm a Christian first, and I'm an American. And those aren't separate. This nation was founded on Christian pr- principles, and we need to get back to our roots. Amen. Because we are a Christian nation. We're not now. <laughs> I don't know what we are now. We're in trouble. That's what we are. But uh, we need to understand the foundation. We want to get back to our foundation. That's why we need to get people in there that will uphold the Constitution, not try to destroy it. Because when they do, things will change. Um, When we die, we want our children and grandchildren to remember us, don't we? I do, you know. I'm at least, you know, something that Grandma did for me when I did. I want to remember something about me. And I know you do too. It's just something that's in us. And as long as we have children and grandchildren and whatever, whatever, on, 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 we still have a part of us living within them, generations to pass. Every part of us here this morning has a part of Adam and Eve in you. Every one of us. Because it, we're, that's our great, I don't know how many greats you'd have to do to get back there, but they are our first ancestor. They want to know your genealogy? You can do that and hire people to find that out. But the Bible gives you a lot of genealogies. <laughs> and uh, we are from Adam and Eve originally. Uh, Job 14, 14. If a man dies, will he live again? That's a question that's asked in Job, the oldest book in the Bible. And we have a world out there that wants to know the answer to this question, especially if someone dies. They want to know the answer to that. They want somebody to come and give them some kind of hope. That's why you have funerals, not so much to, uh, to celebrate the person's life, but also to bring comfort to the family. And like I said, it's, it's so much nicer to do a Christian funeral than a non-Christian funeral. Because if they're not a Christian, there's no hope. What kind of hope can you give the family? It's hard. I don't like doing Christian, non-Christian funerals. I don't like it. But it's still an opportunity to share the gospel to the living. And that's what we need to do. There are several answers to this question. Science says he may live again. Philosophy says he hopes to live again. Ethics says he ought to live again. Atheism says he will never live again. Jesus Christ says he will live again. I like that. Amen. 
John 11.25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now this is a scripture that I always use (laughs) when I do a funeral. Because there's hope in the word of God if they're a believer. If they're not, then it's the hope for the people that are there. All of us will live again. We'll be living in hell or in heaven. We all will live forever. Revelation 14, 13 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. As believers, whatever we do for God follows us to heaven. And there's a great big bank up there that God saves them, where the rust does not corrode. We have a savings account here. If you have money markets or retirement plans, you've seen them go, whoo! Pew! You know, just nothing. But God doesn't do that. You want 100% or probably 400% return on your return? Put it in the bank of heaven. Everything you do for God, every dime you've given, you get a reward for. Everything that you do for God, I don't care what it is. Bring cookies. Bring Susie brought a birthday cake today. It was good <laughs> this morning. God blesses everything that we do. And when we do it from, through the eyes of God and how much he loves us and appreciates things, because we're not doing it for them, we're doing it unto God. We're supposed to do everything unto God, not to be seen of men, but to do it for the Lord. And he who, who sees it in secret will reward us openly. That's what God ha- offers us. So whatever you do for God, he's storing it up and he's writing it down. So when we stand before him, we get to be rewarded for it. He's not going to ask us what we did with him because we already decided that when we, when we accept him as our Savior. We're all, that's already taken care of. We aren't going to enter into the stand before God at that time with sin in our life because Jesus died for it and we accepted it. So we get to go in there and he says, these are the rewards I give you. I give you a crown of life and I give you this and that or whatever. And it doesn't matter what we get because in the end we all throw those at the feet of Jesus Amen. and we worship him. That's exciting to me. And I love the, uh, the idea that, you know, I could just throw something that I've done you know, that represents what I've done at the feet of Jesus. Well, we need to pray at the feet of Jesus here and now say, God, use me. And please, Lord, don't refuse me. For there's a world that's lost. And, and God has commanded us to do something about it. We remember rejoice in Christ because as believers, we live forever. See, death is not a period. It's not the end of anything. It's just the beginning. Because we never die. Sure, this body may die and crumble and they put it in the ground or whatever they're going to do with it. It doesn't matter because when we return with Christ, God's going to give us a glorified body. And that's exciting. Woo-hoo-hoo! I get a glorified body and it's going to be perfect. There'll be no aches and pains in it. There'll be nothing about that body. It's going to hurt. That's exciting. If you're in pain here this morning, God is going to give you a glorified body one day. I'll tell you, heaven's going to be a, a, a city of Pentecostal people, even if they're not now. They're going to be running up those streets of gold the way I am. Cartwheels. I would have been finally able to do a cartwheel. Because <sighs> it'll be exciting. So, oh, that ain't going to happen. Well, I don't care. You have your heaven, I'll have mine. <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to be able to run those streets of gold. And I want to be able to do the things I need to do. And just, if God instantly took all the pain away from me right now, what would you do? Thank you, Susie. Uh Uh-uh. You'd be running up down these aisles and shouting. And that's okay. Anybody run up down these aisles and shout because we're a Pentecostal church. 
It won't bother me in the least. Because, matter of fact, I may run behind you. <laughs> so we only need to remember the dead. We not only need to remember, we need to remember the living. Ron was 15 years old, 15-year-old teenager, 10th grade student at Granger High School, and Granger High School is in Salt Lake. It was a game day, and he was the only sophomore suiting up with the varsity team. Excitedly, he invited his mother to attend. It was her very first football game, and she promised to be there with several of her friends. The game finally ended, and she was waiting outside the locker room to drive Ron home. What did you think of the game, Mom? Did you see the three touchdowns our team made and our tough defense and the fumble on the kickoff return that we recovered, he asked. His mother replied, no, you were magnificent. You have such a presence, and I was so proud of the pride you took in the way you looked. You pulled up your new socks 11 times during the game, and I could tell you you were perspiring in all those bulky pads because you got eight drinks and splashed water on your face twice. I really like how you went out of your way to pat the number 19 number five, and number 90 on the back every time they came off the field. Mom, how do you know all that? And how can you say I was magnificent? I didn't even play in the game. His mother smiled and hugged him. Ron, I didn't know anything about football. I didn't come here to watch the game. I come here to watch you. <laughs> you know, we understand that because if you have children, you watch them. And we're proud of our children that are graduating this week. And went to the graduation last week for... Um, Shane and Brittany, it's exciting, exciting time, you know, and I was amazed that uh, Shane made the honor roll, and Brittany made, gave the opening prayer. How about that, huh? And Samantha got a $500 scholarship. So, hey, that's great. And uh, so it's a great time because it's a step in life. And this, you know, it's a step in this church, too, because our, our young men and women are growing up. And if you've seen Shane and some of those guys, they're really growing up. <laughs> I remember when Shane was this big, and now I'm, I asked him, what are you doing to get, to get that tall? I want some. I want some so I can eat more, aren't you? You know? If I was, if I was two inches taller, I could eat two inches more food, right? You know, but we like what our kids do. We don't care. When I go to graduation things, you know, I look at the ones that I'm there to watch. I watch Shane, and he, he, he never did anything. There was a kid sitting by him, drove me crazy. He kept taking his hat off, his cap off from graduation, and messing his hair or whatever. But Shane, he was just as, just as whatever as he could be. Didn't even hardly budge in, in, in the seat. Somebody would have let them, tell that kid to sit down, shut up. <laughs> but anyway... We watch the ones that we come to see, and we watch the influence. And so we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching everything that they did, and, you know, the others, and they, had, they had some good speakers. But I was more interested in Shane and Brittany. You know, I didn't go to hear those other people. I came to watch them, to be with them and to support them. And it was, it was such a great victory. And this week again, we get to watch Samantha graduate. She's my granddaughter, for those of you who don't know. And I'm proud of her, and I'm proud of all our kids as they grow up, and we've had a lot of graduations in this church, and whatever they do in their future, they got a foundation here. And we're gonna, doesn't matter whether they're here or not, whatever they go to school or whatever, we're still gonna pray for them, because they're still part of us. They're our children, because God has given us that command to take care of the ones that we love. So the moral of that story, of course, is their people are more important than football. Even the Denver Broncos. <laughs> uh. 
or the Washington Redskins, or the Chiefs, or the whatever your team is. Chargers, yeah. People are more important than that. And if there's a conflict, choose the people every time. And if you got a DVR, you can do that. I'm glad God invented DVRs. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> because we can watch them. And it's good. But when it comes to conflict, go with the people. Go with the people God loves. And God loves everybody. And so we need to do that. Uh, John Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. People are important. They're more important than anything else in our life because they are eternal beings. And I would hate to go to heaven and Jesus said, hey, why didn't you talk to that person about me? I sent you there, but you didn't say anything. That'd be hard, wouldn't it? See, that's why in heaven, God says he's going to wipe away our tears. When we stand before Jesus, we're going to find out all the stuff that he had waiting for us that we didn't accept. And we're going to find out the influence that we've made in the people's lives that we did. Because each one of us touches innumerable money, uh, many people. We do. Go to a funeral, you find out how many lives are touched by that person. And then we find out. But that isn't way, the way we should find out. We should find out how important they are to us right now. If anybody, is anybody happier because you passed this way? Does anyone remember that you spoke to him today? This day is almost over, and it's toiling time is through. Is there anyone to utter now a friendly word to you? Can you say tonight in passing, with the days that slip so fast, that you helped a single person of the many that you passed? Is a single heart rejoicing over what you did or said? Does one whose hopes were fading now with courage look ahead? Did you waste the day or lose it? Was it well or poorly spent? Poorly spent. Did you leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? We are influenced people. And hopefully when they, when they see our lives and, and whatever, it, they'll be wanting Christ, not, not wanting him. Because there's so many people out there that they call their Christians in name only. And that's a sad thing. And I hope no one here is a Christian in name only. Just attending this church doesn't make you a Christian. Only accepting Christ as your personal Savior makes you a Christian. Amen. It's a new birth. You're born once in this world. You get to be born again. Your spirit gets life yeah. at the foot of a cross. And we all stand equal at the cross. I'm glad God did that. You know, some people try to use religion and they say, well, you have to do this, 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 and this. Well, how do you know when you've done enough good works? You don't. You can't do enough good works. But God has given me certain things that he wants me to do that's good, and he's given you a lot of things too. But he didn't command me to do all the things I can't do. I'm glad of that. I'm glad God didn't say we all had to be preached, preachers in the church in order to make heaven. Because I tell you, that, changed, that cleared church out in a hurry. <laughs> Let's see, uh, Sarah, you get to preach next week, or no, Rich is preaching to preach next week. Then Sarah, you get to preach the week after that, and then uh, the rest of you get to get a turn. We'll draw numbers. How many would come on the week you have to preach? <laughs> I, I call in sick. <laughs> okay, see? But see, God didn't call everyone to do this. But God didn't call me to do what he's called you to do. Unfortunately, in a small church, sometimes 
He may not be called us to do it, but we have to do it because things have to be done. If everybody pulls their part, it's easy. It's easy for the whole congregation. On Memorial Day, the final, final item appeared on the page of the tribute, Tulsa Tribune. The Tribune requests that persons who intend to mix alcohol with gasoline in Memorial Day celebrations kindly leave typed obituaries and photographs or one-column cuts with the city editor before beginning the day's observance. This courtesy will be greatly appreciated. A lot of people, that's how they want to spend their Memorial Day, drinking. And the amazing thing about drinking is when you've drank so much, you don't know you can't drive. How do I know that? I've been there. I, I, I drove home. I'm telling you, God's grace has protected me. <laughs> I'm so thankful. I drank. The, the worst I ever got was I, I, I was at work. I used to work in a cabinet-making place. And I sprayed cabinets, lacquered them, you know, made nice finish in that. And we had to work on the holiday because we had a quota we had to get out. And so what they do, they filled the pop machine full of beer. And it was free, free beer. And so we're sitting there, and I'm back there smelling fumes and drinking beer. And I'll tell you, when I got home, I don't know how I got there. By God's grace, I got there. And I woke up with my head in the porcelain throne. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hugging the porcelain throne. That's where I woke up the next day, and I don't really know how I got there. I'll tell you, that's the worst I've ever been and the sickest I've ever been. Whew, that was terrible. But that's what the world thinks is fun. Go out and get drunk. See, they do that because they get drunk, and they do things they, when they're drunk they won't do when they're sober. That's why it's bad. God said you can't do anything that changes who you are. And we determine who we are through him. He decides what's right and wrong. Not me. He does. And like I've told you many times, there's things God told you you can't do that I can do and things I can do that you can't do. But I don't flaunt the things I can't do in front of you if we love each other. We're supposed to love people. This Memorial Day, remember people. Remember your loved ones. Remember our, our servicemen. And if you get an opportunity to see one, shake their hand and thank them. Because it just, it just makes them, makes their day when you do that. And I don't care if there ends up a long line of 100 people waiting to shake their hands. Do it. Because it will bless you and it will bless them. And we need to love each one of the others that's here. And if we know a brother or sister that's going through something, pray for them. Pray for them. Because that's what God's 